Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This episode brought to you by 20th Century Studios' Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Director Wes Ball breathes new life into the epic franchise. As a ruthless king attempts to build his empire at the expense of the remaining human race, a young ape begins a journey to fight for a future for apes and humans alike. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Enter the kingdom in IMAX, now playing, and theaters everywhere. Get tickets now. Black Buffalo Zero products are intended for adults age 21 and older who are consumers of comparable products. If you're an adult age 21 and older who dips, I want to tell you about Black Buffalo Zero pouches. What are they made of? Pretty simple. Cured edible green leaves. Food-grade ingredients. Most importantly, there's no nicotine or tobacco. All proudly made here in the U.S. So if you're 21 and older and want to learn more about Black Buffalo Zero, head over to blackbuffalozero.com to learn more. You can buy their pouch online, ship directly to most states. Black Buffalo Zero, zero nicotine, zero tobacco, 100% ritual. Thanks for listening to the Best of the Herd podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday on Fox Sports Radio at noon to 3 Eastern, 9 a.m. to noon Pacific. Find your local station for the Herd at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching Fox Sports Radio or FSR. This is the Best of the Herd with Colin Cowherd on Fox Sports Radio. Here we go on a Monday. Lots to talk about live in Los Angeles. It is The Herd, wherever you may be and however you may be listening. Uh, Thanks for making us part of your day. One hour from now, where Colin was right, where Colin was wrong. There is plenty of both. J-Mac filled in very capably on Friday with Alex. I appreciate that. Got some sun over the weekend. Hung out in the lake yesterday. Oh, what did you do this weekend? Uh, let's see. I welcome back my family after a uh, two-week excursion and uh, took my kid to camp, which is always a fun, fun experience. Oh, Played a little volleyball on the beach. Where were oh, you? Oh, it was very huh? nice. I was on a lake in uh, Utah uh, with some fam, and it was absolutely stunning. Not a cloud in the sky. Uh, nothing better. Inner tubing and Ooh. and and uh, trying to wake surf and that didn't go well. <laughs> I'm sore this morning. <laughs> nice. So uh, today's a big day for the New York Giants. If by four o'clock Eastern, one o'clock our time, they don't come to a long-term agreement with Saquon Barkley, their star running back, he's franchise tagged. That's an NFL rule. They probably have to sign him to a long-term contract. That's what they're doing today. So Daniel Jones' worst year, lowest passer rating, was in 2020. Uh, That was the year that Saquon Barkley played like a game and was hurt. So the Giants, um, and and by the way, this is what happens when you have a very average quarterback that you've committed nearly $40 million a year to, and for you to be good, he has to flourish, and they're totally dependent on Saquon Barkley being here. In fact, we have a graph that we'll put up right now. Last year, I mean, this is the, what, fourth year of Daniel Jones. Justin Herbert, Burrow, Mahomes, they pop early. Jalen Hurts pops in year two. Four years in, if he has less than 100 yards rushing behind him, he's bad. 86 passer rating, 5-7-1. and one. He is totally dependent on a run game, and Saquon Barkley's obviously great. So this is really, though, the Giants are, and I, and I know you think I'm picking on New York, but it is, again, an illustration 
of why New York teams are always seemingly for the last decade a mess. They've got lots of money. They think they can buy championships. But the Giants had an owner, and uh, it looks like, though it will be denied, that he meddled in these negotiations and signed him to a long-term deal because he looks like Eli Manning and had the same college coach as Eli Manning, and he can sense Eli Manning, and Eli Manning took a while to get going. But Eli Manning was a lot more talented college quarterback than Daniel Jones. Now, this is also a Giants team where the coach and the GM currently both very good are trying to recover from a previously incompetent head coach, an incompetent general manager. And it's also a roster, Jets too, where most of your talent is on the wrong side of the ball. But at least the Jets go out and get Aaron Rodgers. The Giants are now stuck with Daniel Jones. Add in, and you see this all the time with New York teams, unrealistic expectations the over-under for the Giants is a very reasonable seven and a half wins. I'd bet the under. Seven and ten. I'd bet the under. My guess is J-Mac would bet the under. And why are they in this mess? Because Dave Gettleman tried to buy a bunch of players and almost none of them worked. So smart teams like the Chiefs come in and get Tony. He'll be highly productive. And the Giants couldn't figure out how to make it work. Welcome. The baseball teams, the Yankees are now tied for last place. The Mets are unraveling. Huge payrolls. Nobody can hit. Your basketball team, the Brooklyn Nets, was a disaster. They tried to buy relevance. Classic New York. And the Jets are trying to get Aaron Rodgers to solve their long issues. They haven't been to the playoffs longer than any other team, and that includes, like, Washington, Cleveland, Detroit, Chicago. And their NFL teams basically are both rebuilding, but neither wants to admit it. So what the Giants really are, and it's a bad place to be in sports, they're trapped. But in the NFL, it's the weakest players union. And so you got to be poorly run to get trapped. Like in baseball, there's nothing you can do. If you want Mookie Betts, you better sign a 10-year deal. If he gets hurt three years into it, what are you going to do? In the NBA, again, the players union, the players have more power. Same in international soccer. But in football, you can get rid of anybody. Could have gotten rid of Tom Brady in his prime, and it wouldn't hurt you that much for more than a year. New England, for 20 years, never got trapped. They moved off players constantly. Uh, by the way, the Kansas City Chiefs, Orlando Brown, see ya. Honey Badger, see ya. Tyreek Hill, see ya. Never got trapped. The Giants are in the place you should never get in the NFL. There's no excuse for it. Because it's not a terribly strong players' union. You can identify talent because unlike basketball, you get three and four years of videotape. You should do your homework and have fewer whiffs in the draft. NBA teams get, you know, one year of college video, high school video becomes important. I understand whiffs in the NBA. There's no reason to whiff constantly on draft picks. No reason to overspend in free agency. It's not a strong players' union. You shouldn't get trapped. And here the Giants are. Today, absolutely trapped. So they're going to have to sign a running back, who I like a lot, with a history of injuries, to a big contract, or else they'll franchise tag him, and he's not going to be happy. And this all started with reaching for a quarterback who sort of looked like Eli Manning, who had the same college coach as Eli Manning, and they took a big swing, and they reached, and everybody knew they reached, and now they're four years into it, five years into it, and trapped. There's really no excuse for it. The good NFL team, by the way, Philadelphia Eagles, they bottomed out for a year, boom, back on top. You get Rams, Super Bowl, bottomed out. This year's draft, replenishing, probably a year away. They'll be fine. That's the way it ha It's okay to bottom out. But th there's no excuse to be where the Giants are.
And I, I think because you have an average quarterback that you've put basically $37 million a year into, because he won a couple of games against the Vikings' awful defense, now you have to sign Saquon. And that's not where you want to be in this league. I mean, the Kansas City Chiefs had a running back who they were disappointed with. They went and got a one in the seventh. They move off Tyreek Hill, Orlando Brown, Honey Badger. So we'll keep you updated on the Giants, though. My guess is they're going to have to sign Saquon Barkley because he doesn't want to play in a franchise tag. And Daniel Jones, without Saquon Barkley, this is a bad football team. It really will be. Their talent's almost all on defense. All right, so I saw this yesterday. Uh, and we kept going back and forth on this. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins was down to New England or Tennessee. And I think, you know, a good player, he's not Randy Moss anymore, but he's a good player, is going to go to a good coach and a pretty good organization. So he should help them win another game in a wonky division. But um, it's more of an indictment on New England. Think about this. So I'm a star receiver, and you know in the NFL you're as good as your wide even Larry Fitzgerald's numbers came down when the quarterback position wasn't as good. Look at Randy Moss, how great he was. Look at his numbers with Tom Brady. Look at his numbers elsewhere. So DeAndre Hopkins did not choose Belichick, you know, with six, seven Super Bowl rings, did not choose offensive coordinator Bill O'Brien, who won a division with Brock Osweiler. He didn't choose Mac Jones, a first-round pick, who's clearly their number one quarterback. No, he chose Tennessee. With a shaky offensive line, running back dominant, and you have no idea what the future is at quarterback. Will Levis, Malik Willis, Ryan Tannehill, and yet Vrabel sold him on it. And that's all this was. Free agency is salesmanship. It's a little bit like college football inserted into pro football. Mike Vrabel's younger than Belichick, probably a little less rigid, former player, and he sold him. And I don't think, we're not talking about D-Hop is, is Randy Moss is going to change everything. But if you told me DeAndre Hopkins, now with Trey Burks, is worth a game in that division, the difference between 9 and 10 or 8 and 9, they got a very good defense. That's the difference between not making the playoffs and making the playoffs. It's a weak division. There's not a lot. There's only one weak division in the AFC. The other three, AFC East, AFC North, and AFC West, are stacked. Okay, stacked. So New England really needed him. Tennessee needed him. And Tennessee got him. Patriots paid $33 million potentially for Devontae Parker three years. Titans paid $32 million for the much better wide receiver for just two years. They don't like it. They can get out of it. So I think Tennessee wins here. And it, it is just incredibly hard. This is not a strong opinion. This is obvious for all of us. It's hard to win in 2023 without weapons. New England has none. I mean, if, 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 if the Patriots were a car, they'd be a stock base model. You know what I mean? No key fob. Have to roll up your own windows. You'd be driving on four spares. I mean, they, there's just nothing there. Juju Smith-Schuster should be a three. That's what he was at Kansas City. Sometimes a two. So it's a, it's a I mean, it, you're talking about D-Hop may not be Randy Moss, but at least he's power steering. He's fresh new tires. He's automated. I, I, to me, this is more of an indictment on New England. Again, can't sell their vision offensively. I mean, Bill O'Brien got to the playoffs four different times. Belichick's a legend. Mac Jones, say what you want, is clearly the future at quarterback. They couldn't sell that over <laughs> a run. I'm a wide receiver. A run-dominant team with most of their talent, overwhelmingly their talent on defense, 
and they don't know what the quarterback is by November. <laughs> and then they won. So I think, you know, in that, there's only one weak AFC division. Does D Hop equal one more win? I think he does. I think he takes them from eight to nine or nine to ten. And that's why, you know, we're all we're all looking at these great divisions in the AFC. But the truth is the NFC South is a hot mess, and the AFC South isn't much better. So the wild card team may very well come from those divisions if you can get to 10 wins. So I think it's a fairly substantial move. Not a great player. He's a good player for a team that desperately needed another receiver. All right. Good to have you in today. Uh, NFL scouts, GMs, coaches are ranking the top 10 quarterbacks. And boy, what a good day for uh, J-Mac on that one. What a, what a day for J-Mac. Isn't, well, it, isn't it nice even when family's gone for a while? Isn't it nice to have the family back? It is excellent to have the family back. Uh, you know what's even better? I just looked at the Tennessee Titans last year. I'll give you a fun little uh, test here. What was their record against playoff teams last year? Tennessee Titans, where DeAndre Hopkins going because well, he thinks they have a chance to win. Well, generally, Vrabel's good against playoff teams. Generally. Generally, but last year, they probably, I would guess, 2-6. and six. Close. They were 0-9 against playoff teams last year. 0-9! And, and he they chose only them. Beat ben. Yeah, because they gave him the money. Well, uh, that's what I'm money. Saying. If you and I were receivers, I would go... Quarterback, O line, and hopefully you're not run dependent because six million dollars for D Hop salaries in bonuses. I would not. New England's not run dominant. They don't have a star back. They have good backs. They, New England has a better offensive line than Titans and a clear picture at quarterback. Not as run dominant and needs him arguably more. At least Trey Burks feels like he could be a one this year. They don't have a one in the building yeah. in New England. It's weird. We hear about all the NBA offers that are out there. What are the what is people offering for Damian Lillard? We still don't know what the Patriots offered DeAndre Hopkins. Are we going to get that number? Because I'm. It's pretty clear it was much lower than you know the twenty six mil over two. Good, years. good. That's why Vrabel could be a college coach. You got to be able to sell occasionally. Doesn't take that many players, but three or four times a year, a coach has yeah. to put on the college football coach hat and sell. Nope, listen, they're going to be competitive with Jacksonville in the division. That went down to the final week of the season, remember? Yeah, no, I mean, yeah. I, I say he doesn't have to be. I, I'm, I'm not looking for a superstar, but for that team that's got some elements, he wins a game for them. What, 80 catches, 1,000 yards, yes. maybe seven, eight touchdowns? Yes. Is that reasonable? That, in that division, that wins you a game. That, that's the difference between 9 and 10 and in and out. Yeah. Be sure to catch live editions of The Herd weekdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio, FS1, and the iHeartRadio app. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back. And joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. Uh, but it was, uh, America is traveling. Let me tell you that. Everywhere I was this weekend, America's out, so have a great summer. So executives in the NFL, coaches in the NFL, scouts in the NFL. Uh, at ESPN, Jeremy Fowler ranked the top 10 quarterbacks for 2023. I agree with most of them. The top three, I totally agree with. Mahomes, Burrow, Josh Allen would be my top three. They have Dak Prescott at nine. I have him closer to 10, 11, 12. But it goes Mahomes, Burrow, Allen, Aaron Rodgers, Herbert, Hertz, Lamar Jackson, Trevor Lawrence, Dak, and Matthew Stafford. I keep saying, folks, Stafford a year ago was great. Bad old line got hurt. He's good. They got Dak a little high. But the one that I think is really high is Aaron Rodgers, who's off his worst year and now no longer moves. He doesn't want to get hit. And I get it. I wouldn't want to either. But it is funny that scouts and GMs and executives and often coaches fall in love with just talent. And I've argued for years that quarterback is 50% talent and 50% intangibles. If it was just talent, Dak Prescott's not in the league and either is Kirk Cousins, right? Like Dak Prescott is all about intangibles, almost all of it. But there's a reason that Dan Marino, with the winningest coach in league history, an absolute legend, had one Super Bowl trip lost in 17 years. And John Elway went to five. They were both talented. Marino threw the prettiest ball to this day I've ever seen. Aaron's second. And people were mesmerized with Dan Marino, and they're equally mesmerized with Aaron Rodgers. Combined, 32 years, two Super Bowl trips, one win. I don't think it's a coincidence. I don't need to get personal, but there were things about Marino 
that I thought he was so far behind Elway, it wasn't close. Elway didn't even get along with his first coach. His first team was mostly all defensive stars. He had average offensive players mostly around him his entire career. Five trips to the Super Bowl. Marino won with a legendary head coach from day one. Aaron's been in the league 15 years, always had offensive coaches, one trip. Frankly, hasn't been that close that many times. So between the two of them, the two prettiest balls I've ever seen, absolutely Marino and Aaron Rodgers, and people in this league get mesmerized. But look how many times Elway and Montana and Brady got to Super Bowls. Tom almost got to one every two years. 23 years, 10 trips. I'm not saying he's not talented. Brady's talent's always been better than anybody wants to acknowledge. He's got a way better arm than people would acknowledge. He was drafted by a Major League Baseball team due to 6'5", great technique, super smart, but a lot of Tom's success and, frankly, a lot of Montana's success. Teammates loved him. Teammates adored him. Walked into a room, had everybody's attention. And so prettiest ball in the league carried Marino forever. Until a coach, Dave Wanstead, had to say, it's over. And he didn't like it. And Jimmy Johnson had to say the same thing. And Dan didn't like it. You know, Jimmy and Dan Marino did not get along because he had to tell them the truth. And I think Green Bay kind of had to tell Aaron the truth. Aaron, you're prickly. You're not committed. The leadership thing, the coaching thing, you've gotten super expensive. Probably not going to work here. But the intangible part of quarterback is completely undervalued. If it was just talent... 32 years, Marino and Aaron Rodgers have more than two trips to the Super Bowl. And don't blame lack of surrounding talent. Marino had good players around him. Aaron never had a bad offensive line. He got Devontae Adams, Donald Driver, Jordy Nelson, Greg Jennings. Plenty of talent. And he ended his Green Bay run with top running backs, too, as well. J-Mac with the news. No, 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 no. Turn on the news. This is the Herdline News. We had a lot of fun last week with the Justin Jefferson uh, top five quarterback list where he left his boy Kirk Cousins off. I saw that. Uh, Jefferson had Mahomes, Rodgers, Burrow, Hurts, and Allen. Yeah, you really can't complain, but we did quibble whether or not it was just not cool to leave off your quarterback. Right. So uh, Kirk Cousins was asked about Justin Jefferson's list, and here we go. I didn't even see it. This is the first time I'm hearing about it. As a competitor, yeah, you always want that. People have to be honest and share what they think, and I'm not going to tell somebody what they need to think, and hopefully in 2024, I'll be on his list. We'll see what we can do this year. I don't know. Do you buy that? I didn't see it. I do. Oh, please. He's very much a family guy. Oh, yeah. He goes <laughs> to church. On. He hangs out with family. He's not a guy who He worried. doesn't turn on the TV in the summer, right? He's not. His generation may not watch TV. I think he's very much into his family and his... His current family, his parents, I think Kirk's not into that social media nonsense. Good for him. Okay. I don't think he... I, there's a lot of people out there. Remember, 23% of the country's on Twitter. 77% are not. They're not out there watching all this stuff. You and I have to because of our jobs. Wow. I think Kirk Cousins, I've always said, he's, he's Dak without the brand, is that he's very capable, very good guy, very much an adult, never gets me in trouble. Don't see him like going toe-to-toe with the greats and, and, and out-dueling him. But I, I don't think he spends a lot of time worrying about what others think of him. It's possible that he's not online. I jumped on Twitter this weekend, and I was like, it's dead here. His Twitter turned into MySpace. Did, did Zuckerberg it, it, kill it? I was no, no, no topics, no anything. It was just kind of weak. Well, it's the summer. It's, it's fair. And there's nothing going on. And Twitter's driven Listen. by politics 
and sports and, and Hollywood. Hollywood's on strike. There's no sports and no <laughs> politics. Listen, so there's no sports. What are we doing here? On a, we're doing a sports show every day. Well, we got that, juicy topics. We well, got fun just, stuff. We got to make up juice. So let me ask you, um, Vikings fans, you know, earmuff it for a second. What is their over under? Nine and a half? Whatever it is, it's too high. <laughs> uh, where's Kirk Cousins playing in 2024? I can see somebody doing a Jimmy Garoppolo and absolutely giving him a two-year deal. Absolutely. I mean, I don't well, think you, he's getting... You the, know, you well, know San the Francisco qu- gets discussed a lot, but if you well, bring there's it, another one. What's uh, the one other one? plays out here. So Kevin Clark came on my podcast, and he's like, you know who loves Kirk Cousins? Every time you talk to him, McVay and Shanahan love Kirk Cousins. They both had him in Washington. Well, he does. He, he's coachable. He doesn't get hurt, and he delivers strikes. But yeah, I'm not. I'm not. It's it's weird how Kirk Cousins is like considered eh, mid, as the kids like to say. Well, guess what? If Shanahan and McVay like him a lot, that says something to me about Kirk Cousins. Well, those are two of the best offensive okay. minds in the league. People get upset when I criticize Dak. And people equally would mock me if I complimented Kirk Cousins. We put something up three weeks ago. I had somebody reach out to me. They're literally the same quarterback. I mean, literally, completion percentage, TD to interception ratio, passer rating. The difference is Dak has had a better O-line in his career. That's the difference. Yeah. They both had some star running backs and star receivers. So Kirk Cousins, at this point, I think Dak's a little overvalued, and Cousins is undervalued. You know, They're the same I, guy. You know, Dak, I would take Dak in a big spot, but I also watched last year Kirk Cousins go into what Buffalo and literally go toe-to-toe with Josh Allen. In, 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 it was one of the best games of the year last year. Yeah. So don't tell me Kirk Cousins can't play. It, it, have you ever hypnotized anyone on the show? Ever in your radio career? No, I haven't. I'm. I would just love to hear like McVeigh truth serum on Kirk Cousins. Like, why do you like him so much? What is it? Like, we know what you like, but like, like a lot of people just don't think Cousins is that good. Yet McVeigh and Shanahan absolutely adore this guy and love him and want to coach him. Well, both of them are offensive coaches with, by the way, uh, an offensive mindset where they would prefer that you follow the script. Instead of, right? Yeah. And Kirk is very much a follow the script guy. And but apparently I, play action as well. Kirk Cousins is just awesome with it. And, and then bo- both the Niners. By the way, if you go look at what really hurt the Rams last year is when Gurley left, Cam Akers fumble issues, they didn't have a productive yeah. run game. If the Rams run the ball, they're in McVay's history, he made got, got Goff to a Super Bowl. And Kyle got Garoppolo to a Super Bowl. McVay and Shanahan's offense is really predicated on a 1985 run game. It really is. They both love the power run game. All right. Speaking of the run game, Colin, this story is a little troubling. So Austin Eckler, remember he had an issue with the Chargers. Yeah. um, And he has been extremely vocal vocal about running backs being undervalued. He went on the Rich Eisen show and kind of went off here about the running back position right now. I'm looking at some of the backup receivers out here that are still making more than me, and that's that's going to piss me off, right? I'm I'm a little bit I'm like, okay, wait a minute. So you're telling me these people or the or the number three receiver is going to make more than me, and I'm the starter. I get more carries. I touch the ball more. I have more of an impact. Um, it it causes us to question, right? We're going to fight for that. We're going to fight for hey, I'm bringing more value to the team than this person. I think I should be compensated for that, and so that's where the that's where the fight comes. It's not even. It, it, it seems like it's about money, but it's about principle, right? It's about the principle of adding value to a team. 
You know, it's interesting. You and I tend to be like, you don't need running backs. But there are but, instances that they're valuable. Saquon Barkley has remarkable value now for the Giants. Uh, Derek Henry with Tannehill has had huge value. Joe Mixon with Burrow, he's taken a pay cut. Eckler's a fascinating one. So they haven't paid him anything for all these years because of where they drafted him. He came from a small school. So they've never really paid him anything. Yeah. As Justin Herbert's been growing, often behind a bad O-line, he's been very, very productive. And they're also in a situation here where very quickly, Herbert's contract is going to get enormous. So I think I think they'd love to pay him for like a year. But their concern is, see, I, I think they have to make a move at some point this year or next year between Mike Williams and Keenan Allen, and they just extended, I think, a year ago, Mike Williams. They're going to have a tough decision with Keenan Allen. They're going to pro- because of his expense. But I think it's a tough one because you haven't paid him anything. He's been productive. He's not necessary because of Herbert and the receiving core. But, but, they're a he's really productive and really yeah. good. I mean, there's he's a tough one. That and the, and the Chargers, Tom Telesco is not a guy that wants to give running backs long contracts. So, I think this one is his argument. Okay. Is pretty legitimate, although yeah. teams don't care about your principles. They care about your talent and your contract. Okay. They don't get too caught up in your principles. A few things here. So, uh, number one, you want to guess who led the Chargers in targets last year? Eckler. Right. You want to guess who led the Chargers in receptions last year? Hold on. By over tw- over 30 receptions. What do you mean? He had 30 more receptions than the number two guy. And the next was... Mike Williams or Keenan Allen? Uh, the next one was uh, Josh Palmer. Now, that was the kid they drafted a few yeah. years Austin ago. Austin Eckler had 107 catches for them. Yeah. Basically, he was the offense. Now, I wonder, Colin, you know Kellen Moore likes to go down the field. Yes. Last year's guy was Charlie Checkdown. Uh, was it Lombardi? Yeah. He liked the dink and dunk. Yes, he does. I do wonder if Eckler is getting a whiff of the game plan and getting a whiff of Kellen Moore and sees his stats are going to be going down on the receiving end. And now he knows, like, damn, I'm not going to be getting paid. You have to wonder if Eckler's worried about the offense changing a little bit. Let me tell you something. We think it's for the better. I'll tell you this. If they had cap space, if I was the Rams, I'd move off Cam Akers and get Austin Eckler tomorrow. More mature, better receiver, okay. willing blocker. But Stafford's making a ton of money. You can't pay the running back. I know. If, if you want to find Rams a spot. The Rams don't love their tight end or their wide receiver group. Eckler is like another receiver. You go to the teams that just drafted quarterbacks. Bryce Young, who are his running backs? Uh, Carolina, quarterback on the rookie deal. You can pay a running back. Uh, Houston, I know they have the uh, the kid who was good last year, Pierce. Um, but Atlanta has a guy they just drafted, B. John Robinson. you got to find teams that aren't paying the quarterbacks that can pay the running back. But I do. Uh, our staff came up with some numbers here. These receivers have a higher average annual value than Eckler. Cedric Wilson. Russell Gage, oh Michael boy. Gallup. These guys are making more money than no, Austin No, no, Eckler. no. Listen, he's, uh, he's... He's got a good point. If you don't watch the Chargers, you don't get his value. Yeah. He's really good. He's one of... He's probably... There's a short list of most underrated players in the league. Yeah. I mean, because of where he got drafted, they haven't paid him anything, and he's been wildly important to Justin Herbert's growth. But when he sees guys like Zeke, who's 28, Kareem Hunt, I think is 28, and they're like unemployed... You've got a tiny window here for Austin Eckler to get paid, man. It's you like, know what? If you're the Rams, I, just, I don't. Do you call? Do you call him and say, "Listen, give us Keenan Allen. You can then sign Austin mm, Eckler." I don't know. 
Another big tell with the offense, Colin, is they just drafted the big kid out of TCU, Quinton Johnson. Uh, he's like the 6'4 receiver. So they're going to move off one of those two receivers, probably Keenan Allen. But they're going to be throwing the ball down the field. They didn't get Johnson to throw like eight yard out. So I, a lot happening with the Chargers. A lot of it's not great. All right, final story. Uh, Kyrie Irving. Oh, jeez. Kyrie Kyrie Irving. I know how much you love Kyrie, and you know my thoughts on him. I'll let you take this one. So LeBron jumped on social media yesterday after a fan posted about Kyrie saying, this has nothing to do with his all-time ranking, but this is the best player with the ball in his hands we've ever seen. LeBron, of course, shared it and said, ever. Nobody ever has been better with the ball in his hands than Kyrie Irving. He's very, he's way up top for me. He's top five ever. Ever? I'm not talking about wanting him as a franchise cornerstone. Handles? No, J- Jason top. Kidd. Magic Johnson. Um, Come on, there's a ton of guys. Uh, Magic's way up there. I'm, I'm saying, I don't, I think he's too erratic. I don't think he has the self-awareness I'm looking for. I'll never deny his talent. Okay, if he's so good with the ball in his hands, why is he only won once in his career with okay, LeBron James? Okay, but that's different. You're you're talking about structural issues. No, no, no. I'm talking about you got the ball in your hands. You better win the game. Well, tell me outside of Steph Curry, the small guys that lead people to wins. When he got LeBron, he won a title. Small guys outside of Steph Curry never. Isaiah and Steph are exceptions. Isaiah. Little guys don't win titles. John, well, John Stockton got the two finals. I know he had the mailman. He, like, I mean, led the... Uh, I think assists and steals most in NBA history yeah, by a mile. and two finals, never won. I mean, it, you're, you, there's a big difference. It, you know how they always say, can you separate art from artist? Yeah. Right? I can. Like, I know some of our artists are flawed, but I think they're important for society. Some of them are creatives and out there and do things that I don't think are appropriate. But I can separate art from artist. And by the way, you do too, because I see who goes to concerts and movies, and they're not all good people. Uh, by the way, so the second question in that dynamic is, okay, separate art from artist. Can you separate unbelievable talent from good for the team? Kyrie's an all-time talent. For his size, he's one of the great finishers in league history. I'll agree with that. I would not. If you can't get along with LeBron long-term, LeBron makes everybody better. Takes most of the leadership stuff, the media stuff, the defensive stuff, the passing stuff. If you can't play with LeBron, you can't play with anybody. And uh, And Kyrie, it couldn't handle it. Final thing on Kyrie. Um, LeBron setting up some future uh, stuff here. No. Listen, everything he does is calculated. I talked to LeBron LeBron Thursday. You talked to LeBron last week. Let's hear all about it. We broke it down. No, he didn't. They're not going to. The Lakers who have no interest, I've been told, in Kyrie. That's what is what's LeBron's level of interest? LeBron's very happy with the current construct and Darvin Ham. I know this. He told me very happy with Darvin Ham. Very happy with the Lakers offseason. Yeah, you know we don't like to hear the positives. What are, what are the negative? No, <laughs> what's I, LeBron negative about? I, I just think there are people in my industry that maybe have had issues. I'm not going to deny their talent. People are good or they're not. Like, Kyrie's a huge talent. He's just, he's too erratic. He's too erratic. I mean, Ben Simmons came into this league. Wasn't he all NBA for a couple years? Uh, 6'10", he, he guard. all finish. NBA at some point. Yeah, yeah. yeah, I was like, Ben Simmons was unbelievable. I've moved off him. But to deny his talent, yeah. stop being a kid. Like, it, 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 that's ridiculous. He was an unbelievable. He was considered the best prospect since LeBron. He's like 6'10 and a half. Great defender. Long. Finish at the rim. A just didn't work out. So some of these guys, 
I just move off that. I've moved off Harden. I moved off. I was never a Westbrook guy, never a Wall guy, but I was a Kyrie guy for a while. I've moved off him. You're a LeBron guy. Any other fun facts that he dropped? Is he a big watcher of the show? No, uh, I don't know. I didn't ask him that. He no. was very, he was always very supportive of friends of mine, and they had a uh, uninterrupted. His company had a um, a, a movie. Uh, a movie festival. They yeah. had a couple of movies, and they included Draymond Green podcast in it. So I went. LeBron came over. I didn't want to bother him. He came over to me, tapped me on the shoulder, shook my hand. We talked for a little bit. Could not be more gracious. I'm told this was not just the VIP section, but the VVIP, <laughs> no, where like they they portion you off from that. Listen, you know, it was brief. Else. It's nice, but I I I the Kyrie. St- it is okay to support somebody on Instagram or something. Yeah. Just to support people. No agenda. Yeah, just say, like, I played with a guy. He's an, LeBron likes to get along with everybody. I mean, it, there are guys... I, I do have, eventually, a really good story from that party. Whoa. An off-air story. Here we go. It. All right. I'll share it during the break. It's a good one. Can't wait. Uh, J-Mac with the news. Well, that's the news. And thanks for stopping by. The Herd Lie News. Some, here's the thing. So, J-Mac and I, we like to find dirt. I mean, J Max. I mean, J Max. Co- no, no, no. We we don't like dirt. Well, we like sourcing, and that it's fun for we us. We like juice, but that doesn't mean we can always share every piece of information. Correct. I have a piece of NFL information today. I may be able to share, but it's some dirt on something, oh. and so I got to make a couple calls. And I did. I did learn something from that. Uh, I'm not going to share it on the air, but it was really interesting about an NBA player. Right, let's get to commercial break and okay, uh, all right, whatever, whatever, whatever. Don't have to share everything we have. We don't have to do that. No, this isn't a podcast. We don't have to swear <laughs> and share everything in our private lives. Be sure to catch live editions of the Herd weekdays at noon Eastern, nine a.m. Pacific. Hey, what's up, everybody? It's me, three-time Pro Bowler Levar Arrington, and I couldn't be more excited to announce a new podcast called Up on Game. What is Up on Game, you ask? Along with my fellow Pro Bowler, TJ Hushmanzada, and Super Bowl champion, yep, that's right, Plexico Burris. You can only name a show with that type of talent on it. Up on Game. We're going to be sharing our real-life experiences loaded with teachable moments. Listen to Up on Game with me, LeVar Arrington, TJ Hushmanzada, and Plexico Burris on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts from. Attention all wrestling aficionados. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. This is Freddie Prince Jr., and I am beyond thrilled to announce that our wrestling extravaganza is back, and joining me once again is the one and only Jeff Dye. Get ready as we highlight the most jaw-dropping matches, dissect the fiercest feuds, and uncover the latest twists and turns in the world of pro wrestling. We're dusting off our legendary side quests and unleashing a barrage of brand new segments that will keep you guys on the edge of your seat like our talks on unsanctioned Thursdays. Freddie, you know we gotta give the people what they want. This season, we have an all-star lineup of special guests who are gonna be gracing our podcast, bringing with them their own unique insights, experiences, and all of that in the world of pro wrestling and beyond. Whether you're a seasoned wrestling veteran or a fresh-faced newcomer, we promise an experience like no other. So buckle up, wrestling fans. Listen to Wrestling with Freddie as part of the My Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. And recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry. Back to Iguodala. Up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Imagine you ask two people the same exact set of seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including actress and star of the mega-hit sitcom Friends, Courtney Cox. You can't go around it, so you just go through it. This is a roadblock. It's going to catch you down the road. Go through it. Deal with it. Comedian, writer, and star of the series Catastrophe, Rob Delaney. I shouldn't feel guilty about my son's death. He died of a brain tumor. It's part of what happens when your kid dies. Intellectually, you'll understand that it's not your fault, but you'll still feel guilty. Alt-rock icon, Liz Fair. That personal disaster wrote Guyville. So everything comes out of a dead end. And many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers. All right, Colin right, Colin wrong on a Monday. Plenty of both. Here we go. Where Colin was right. DeAndre Hopkins ended up getting a good deal. $26 million plus another $6 million in bonuses for just two years. He was not, not snubbed. He was picky. That's a pretty darn good deal. $26 million guaranteed, up to $32 million bucks for just two years. He had multiple suitors. He was patient. He finally got the deal. I... I probably would have gone New England. They're not as run-centric. Better offensive line. Mac Jones, I think, is better than Ryan Tannehill. But nonetheless, this was not a desperate player. He was waiting and got the best offer. Where Colin was wrong. Uh, Looks like. um, My take has always been that the Giants had to resign Saquon Barkley once they signed Daniel Jones. But the story today is... They're not going to reshuffle the deck to start over their negotiations just because Saquon Barkley changed agents, added some people to his negotiating team, and they're not going to do it. So they got until 1 o'clock Pacific, 4 Eastern, and they're going to have to franchise tag him without a new deal. So I think he's the key to their offense, um, and I think you could have gotten away with a franchise tag. But once they locked in Daniel Jones for $37 million large plus, he's looking at that thinking... I'm the insurance policy for that guy. Now you really need me. And as of now, he's going to be franchised at. Where Colin was right. Kirk Cousins was not offended 
by Justin Jefferson not putting him in their top five. Kirk Cousins is fairly egoless, so last week when Justin Jefferson named his top five quarterbacks in the league, Mahomes, Rodgers, Burrow, Hurts, Allen, and didn't put Captain Kirk in, people thought he would be offended. And my takeaway is religious guy, not a ton of ego, family guy, none of that stuff bothers him. I've never felt Kirk Cousins was going to get in Kirk Cousins' way. I don't think he's nearly as talented as a lot of other guys, but I think he understands his value. I think he's got his priorities in his life in order. Not surprised. He hadn't heard about it and didn't care about it. Where Colin was wrong. ESPN polled executives, scouts, GMs around the league, and they had Aaron Rodgers as the number four quarterback overall. I have him six in the AFC. Uh, I don't think he's nearly as talented as Trevor Lawrence, who was a number one pick. I think Jalen Hurts has surpassed him. I don't think he's as dynamic as Lamar or Justin Herbert. Uh, But NFL GMs and scouts fall in love with talent. I saw it with Dan Marino, and they've got him the fourth best quarterback in the entire league off his worst year in a long time. And they acknowledge in the piece by ESPN Jeremy Fowler, he doesn't like to run anymore. So you don't get the mobility you used to get. They still have him at four. Where Colin was right. Joe Mixon's going to take a pay cut to stay with the Bengals. They didn't win when they had Joe Mixon and no Joe Burrow. So why am I paying Joe Mixon when I get Joe Burrow? Joe Burrow's the catalyst to winning. I like Joe Mixon. I think I've said this before. I think he's a top five, six running back in the league. But the better the quarterback, the less crucial the running back. And Joe Mixon should take a pay cut. Playing behind Burrow with those weapons, a lot of play action yards. Burrow is your best friend. I think this is a smart move by Joe Mixon. Taking the most money is not always the answer for a running back. Do you have the support system? Do you have an offensive coach? Do you have weapons on the perimeter so they can't crowd the box? This is a very good space for Joe Mixon, but you can't get top dollar. I like what he did. Where Colin was wrong. Uh, Chris Paul kind of pushed back on coming off the bench for the Warriors in his first interview. And he had a Sam Amick reports he's still holding out hope to start. Well, he can't because Curry and him would be too small, a little too old. Uh, I thought it was very clear, and he'd come to terms with what he's going to do is lead the second team and elevate Jonathan Kaminga. And I think he's going to do both. Great for the second unit, great for Kaminga. I didn't think it was that hard of a reach or an ask, but apparently he is a little, um, he's struggling with that right now. Let's just say that. Where Colin was right. I never thought losing Lincoln Riley could be anything but a problem for Oklahoma, and Big 12 media voted them third in Brett Venable's second year, basically tied with Texas Tech one year out of Lincoln Riley coaching. Nothing against Brent Venables. Most of the time, Oklahoma gets the right coach, but to go from... 1-1-1-1-1 with Lincoln Riley to now basically tied for third, maybe fourth. What does it tell you? And the big concern with Brent Venables. Say what you want about Lincoln Riley's defense. Lincoln got his side of the ball right. Sean McVay got his side of the ball right. Shanahan gets his side of the ball right. I'm always concerned when a coach comes in. Brian Dayball. Let's be honest. He got as much out of Daniel Jones as you could get. When you can't get your side of the ball right, Oklahoma's defense was a mess last year. That's concerning in the Big 12 media season. Where Colin was right. Mets-Yankees, 27 and a half games out of first. Said it before, in baseball, you can buy pressure. 
Good luck buying wins. The Yankees are now tied for last place. Yeah, I guess they're still in wild card contention. Yippee, not exactly the standard of the Yankees. And the Mets are a tire fire. Here was the Yankees yesterday. Listen to this call against Colorado. Treyo, 120 at-bats, does not have a home run this year. Until now, a game-winning walk-off home run from Alan Treyo. A very disappointing series if you're a Yankee fan or a Yankee in that clubhouse, in that dugout. This is a series you're playing against a team that had the worst record in the National League. Two top payrolls in baseball that combined 27 and a half games out of first place. Said this about New York sports. They've been in a decade rut. Owners, GMs, executives. You always fire the coaches. You always blame the coaches. Nets aren't well run. Mets Yankees roll your eyes. Jets Giants still. They won't admit it in a rebuild. New York sports has a lot of thing, like money. Don't have a lot of elite front offices, elite owners. Elite people running the franchises. Ian O'Connor, by the way, longtime great columnist in New York, will be around the corner joining us on the show. You know, it's funny. I, whenever I get pushback on that, I'm like, folks, the proof's in the pudding. The Jets have the longest playoff drought in the league. What do you want me to say to that? They've had one thing in common the entire time, the ownership group. New York Giants, they keep running through coaches and GMs. What's the constant? It's not the players, not the coaches. It's the owner. Brooklyn Nets, owner. Knicks have been a mess for 25 years. What's the constant? It's not the players and coaches. It's the owners. If you can't get it right, I mean, I always say certain cities have great, like San Francisco right now has got really good owners. L.A., at, by and large, L.A., I think has mostly pretty strong owners. Since the Lakers turned around at the All-Star break, you know, we always had our questions about the Lakers, but they've had a really good five, six months of, of movement. A lot of that's ownership. So um, all that in the bag of chips. Will Blackman next hour. Ian O'Connor's around the corner. Big, big week. Big week. You know, we, we have, what do we got now? About how many days left before camp officially opens? Because the Hall of Fame game's like first week of August. What do we got about one more week? And then we're on for six and a half months. Basically August 1st until February 15th. What's that? August, September, October, November, December, January. Yeah, six and a half months, starting kind of next Tuesday, Wednesday. Be sure to catch live editions of The Herd weekdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Fox Sports Radio, FS1, and the iHeartRadio app. There's never a wrong time to do the right thing, right? If you're going to make decisions in life, there's no bad time to do the right thing, ethically, principally. In sports, there is a right time to be a bad team. If, like, Victor Wembanyama is available in the draft or Andrew Luck is available, Trevor Lawrence. So next year is an excellent quarterback draft class. Caleb Williams, A++, Derek May, Michael Penix Jr., really good. Other kids emerging. So I saw a story on the Raiders, and I've said this about the Raiders. They're like a dormant volcano. Hasn't erupted in a, like a year, but it's always bubbling under the surface. And there's some weird readings at Mount Davis right now. It's bubbling. It's about ready to do a Mount St. Helens. So Josh Jacobs, their star running back, and the Raiders are, according to The Athletic, big gap. Big gap. 
Uh, and this is not an easy one. So the last five and six years, you've had the, the Damon Arquette gun issue, disaster. Henry Ruggs um, crisis. He's gone. Prison. John Gruden mess. Uh, the, the GM hired off TV didn't work. Garoppolo's injury. Devontae Adams was the happiest guy in the league in Green Bay. Never grumbled. Now perpetually unhappy. Uh, Derek Carr divorce did not go well. So players can see leadership or lack thereof. Players, players can feel leadership or lack thereof. It's like kids act out when they know they can get away with it. Employees act out when they know they can get away with it. Lack of leadership. And, and players, this is not a coincidence. It's all happening to the Raiders. It all starts at the top. Mark Davis is one of the poor, weaker owners in the league. Nothing against him, but he is. And so, but this is an interesting one because the Raiders are going to draft a quarterback probably in the first round next year because they've already got really good key pieces. Max Crosby is an A-plus pass rusher. Check. Star receiver, Devontae Adams. Check. Left tackle, Colton Miller, set there. Check. Those are really key pieces. Left tackle, star receiver, edge rusher. Now, they need a corner, um, and they're going to draft a quarterback. So they're already paying a lot of money to all the right pieces, right? Edge rusher, receiver. They got a very good slot receiver, Hunter Renfro. They just drafted a tight end, the number two tight end out of college. So they've got, they're actually a really strange team. The Raiders have edge rusher, left tackle, star receiver, weapons. They check all the boxes. They're just poorly run and poorly owned. And they're going to draft a quarterback next year. So is it a good time to be a bad team? My takeaway is you don't sign Josh Jacobs, even though he's been wildly productive. He absolutely has a market. If you have an average quarterback or a quarterback on a rookie deal, you could argue next year the Raiders are getting a quarterback, give them this. But they're already paying big money to all the right positions. He absolutely has a trade market. Josh Jacobs is one of those guys. I know you don't want to pay running backs, but if I have a young quarterback, an average quarterback, I'd pay for Josh Jacobs. Just like Saquon Barkley. Because of Daniel Jones, you got to pay for Saquon Barkley. So it's interesting. With Garoppolo, if he plays, and their left tackle, and their edge rusher, and their receivers, and their dynamic young tight end. The Raiders could win seven, eight, nine games. I really believe that. They've got the right pieces there. Plus, they have an offensive coach with a history of Super Bowl wins. They've got a lot of stuff. It's a leadership void. But if you don't play Josh Jacobs, you don't really have an elite backup. If Garoppolo didn't play, you are in the Caleb Williams sweepstakes. In the AFC, you're in it. Kansas City twice, Denver twice, Chargers twice. So the Raiders are in a weird spot where I really like about five of their players, and they're all at the positions I need. They're not sticking with Garoppolo for two years. They're absolutely first pick in next year's draft, if they're top 10, is going to be. They don't need an edge rusher. They don't need a left tackle. Next year's a great year for tackles. They don't need one. It's a great year for receivers. They don't need one. Right? It's a great year. It's a good year for edge rushers. They don't need one. You can get a running back third, fourth, fifth, sixth round. They need a quarterback for the future. Stidham's now in Denver, so they don't have a backup. So it's my takeaway is, do you move him? Do you not play him? 
Do you get pretty rigid on them them, uh, with him? I kind of think this is a good time to be a bad team. Because you can can all fight there as a Raider. You want to make the playoffs. You're now in a division with Mahomes in his prime, Herbert going into his prime, and Russell Wilson out of his prime, but one of the best coaches in league history. What do you need? Just think about it for a second. What do you need? A great young quarterback on a rookie contract. That is the only way to catch up. And you're not a mile away. You've got an offensive coach, left tackle, star weapons, great edge rusher. Got to get that secondary right, and you got to get your future quarterback. Josh Jacobs is a situation. I may be nuts on this, but in this instance, Arizona Raiders, Bucks, I would be I would be movers at the trade deadline. If you start one and five, I'd move it. There's a, you can say running backs don't have a market. Josh Jacobs could solve a lot of teams' run game issues. He's a very good back. Am I nuts? Am I crazy? Problem is, who's going to pay him, Colin? If you don't have the quarterback on the rookie deal, like why well, are you spending the big bucks? Look, look who's going to have a quarterback next year in a rookie deal. Arizona's going to have a quarterback in a rookie deal. Well, they'll have to move Kyler. That sh- will that be a problem? Remember, four teams minimum are drafting quarterbacks in the first round. May, Caleb, Penix are all getting drafted. Now they're saying Bo Nix at Oregon. I don't see him as a... Oh, come on. I I, I don't. A lot of people do. He's in a lot of mock drafts first round. I'm just saying. There's four teams right there minimum. You want to do a friendly wager on that? I don't think he's a first-round quarterback. Okay, okay. He feels like late second, third to me. Am I wrong? He feels more Kenny Pickett than he does Trevor Lawrence. Yeah. Bo Nix, very good high school quarterback, right? Good college quarterback, too. Good. Solid. Solid. Be sure to catch live editions of The Herd weekdays at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. And, you know, for years and years, we've had this HBO stuff, but it feels like it's played out. I'm not right. really into it. I don't. Hard Knocks doesn't interest me. The Aaron stuff, uh, you know, we'll talk about it if there's funny stuff that comes out of it, but I don't, you know, whatever. So Netflix comes out with Quarterback. You're obsessed on this series. Oh, it's great. Okay, so give me, give me a, a, if I'd never seen it and you're trying to sell me on it, what does it provide maybe I've never seen? What it, pro- it provides each tier in terms of the type of franchise quarterback. So you have Marcus Mariota, right? He is, you know, he came in first-round pick. Went through some adversity. And now he's a backup. Ba- yeah, battling with confidence, you know, which was the thing. And then you can see his his journey through there, trying to revive himself. And then you have Kirk Cousins, who is a you know franchise, very efficient quarterback, still you know can't get over the edge in terms of leading his team deep in the playoffs. And then you have Mahomes, where it's like <laughs> if I already thought super highly of him and I thought he was a real deal, no one's close. This. Watching this, it makes it even more certain that there is there is no one in his realm Why? right now. <laughs> he he has every single intangible, like mentally and physically, that you want from a quarterback. Like him, his belief in himself and what he can do and how he can lead his team to a Super Bowl. It's 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 amazing. Well, he has the ability. What what I've seen so far is. He has this incredible confidence and emotional belief. It never becomes narcissism. Ever. It's all, his ego is all tied up in winning. Period. 
sometimes your guy Aaron Rodgers' ego is tied up in Aaron. We're not talking about Aaron right now. Okay, Anyhow, so we're not going. We're not going to just go to Aaron. We're, like, we're not going to just segue this. Let me finish on your all point right, with Mahomes right, right. to back up your point. Right uh, when his team was down seventeen zip versus the the Raiders. When he went after Max Crosby right. and argued with him, he said, my team needed that, to your point. Yeah. He said, my team needed that. So, yes, I agree. Winning. Winning. When I watch Mahomes, uh, people confuse the two. I always said this about Baker Mayfield. It was often about his hubris and his shield. Don't me, me, me. I like ego. Brady's ego was about winning. Peyton Manning's was about winning. Mahomes is all about winning, and he's got it. Like, he'll talk you-know-what. Like, he talks a lot right. of crap, but it's always about, in this moment, you're not beating us. I'm taking us over you, and I think there's a fine line. I think fans and players often confuse that. We want ego if it's placed under as the headline to the winning department. Don't take shots at the medical staff, Baker. Don't take shots at a teammate. Don't talk about your, uh, I want to retire. Never talk about that. That's about you. It's not good for the team. I'm not just taking shots at Aaron, but I've seen this. He confu- I don't know if he confuses it. His ego is based a lot on, I'm going to retire. I'm going to control. Mahomes is all about the W. That's why I love it. Well, well, let's give Mahomes another 10 years and, and see when he faces adversity. You know, It's called the NFL. He faces it every Sunday. Now, what about Cousins? They face him every Sunday. <laughs> what do you make of Kirk Cousins in this quarterback series? Yeah, I, I think it's cool to see um, like the where Kirk went from being in in Washington. I was there with him for a couple of years. But you, you can tell with him, he's very detailed. He's very calculated. He he thinks a lot, sometimes overthinks. Sure. And is, is really that's into – That's been his rep. Right, that's been his rep, into a lot of things. And, and I would say the – you can see glimpses here and there in terms of like a little bit of edge, but just not enough edge. But I will say the common denominator across the board with all these quarterbacks is that they are all leaders in their in own their way. in their own way, you know. And you can tell like the guys love and they rally around Kirk, but you can tell that Kirk definitely evaluates and looks at every single piece of the puzzle to be successful where you look at Mahomes, Patrick Mahomes, he's just, he's just going to go out there and try to take some set off. Like he doesn't overthink anything. He just goes out there. He understands what it is. And also too, you can see them. Ken city is what Andy Reid does. He has them completely prepared across the board. Like Who, as a team, who's that Andy Reid? what he does for the chiefs. Yeah, Reed's like different. everyone is, is completely on the same page. And and you can that's exactly why that's why when they lost Tyreek I'm like they're just gonna they're just gonna they can't replace him like his, his actual attributes but they can just get more punt returners and then run more trick plays which is what they did. Yeah, I mean I was watching the Tiger Woods documentary yesterday. It's uh, the two parter, and childhood was very unique, very almost military uh, background with his father, uh, very strident very limited, very controlling. And at some point, he burst out of that and went sideways emotionally because he'd never been given a piece of candy. Mm-hmm. So what did he want the first time he made money and had freedom? Candy. So it's like with Mahomes, I do think a big part of his success, dad was a pro athlete. Right. When I watch Mahomes, his ability to compartmentalize, highly emotional on the sidelines, highly emotional and then he gets into the game, and he's totally under control. That feels like some parenting in there. Am I wrong? Like I, yeah, I would, 
I would I would say parenting for sure, but Andy Reid is is such a he under, he's like Phil Jackson where he really understands like the person, the player. You know, again in that documentary, Patrick talks about he allows us to be ourselves and wants us to express who we are, but also he understands like where it could be too much. So he does a, he does a great job in controlling emotions of his players on the team, and so I would say it's it's more especially in this world, you know. Because I, I mean, I know a lot of players that that grew up, you know, with both parents and, and had a great childhood. And yeah. actually, in some cases, it's used against them because right. well, the Tiger situation. It's like I know it was really instructive. <laughs> in the end, it felt it was a tad destructive. Right. Right. Like where Mahomes is allowed to be from parents to Andy Reid, he's allowed to be an artist. Right. But I think he does a really good job, and maybe it's just good parents, good coach. He's gone. You know. That I, when I watch Mahomes, I get the perfect balance of ego, creativity, and yet team structure. It's very unique when you get all three of those. Well, yeah, he does. He does all that stuff for the best interest of the team. Yeah, and that's and that's how it should be, no matter what, especially in 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 the professional athlete world. Because for me, I can I can play for any kind of coach, and I have I had every coach you can think of. My pop Warner coach used to go crazy and curse. My high school coach used to go nuts and be crazy. I played for Tom O'Brien, who has a strong military background. I played for Coach Coughlin, who's you know real yeah. aggressive. I had McCarthy, I had Gus Brown, I had all these guys. But at the end of the day, is however they are, if their best interest is in the you, player, yeah. the team then it's all good, you know, but then when the ego is the only thing that takes over, then that's where you lose a lot of players and lose a lot of people. And there's some coaches where I, I think sometimes college coaches become very much about ego and control. Well, because they now they feel like you need them, but now it's kind of turning a little bit. Yeah, it's not them. a bad thing. It's not a bad thing. Um, Saquon Barkley. So uh, earlier, Ian O'Connor, a very talented writer in New York, said he's the classic giant, the Frank Gifford mold. Hard worker, right? About winning, always says the right thing. Good looking people. Like, he is a classic New York Giant. And now you know this, and I do because I lived out there for ten years. Right. The, the Giants are like the great big accounting firm of the NFL. Even when they win, they're not exciting. But there is a giant. There is a way to do business. They're like Michigan football. Like Rich Rod didn't fit. Right. right? Like he just didn't fit. He was too whatever. But like. For Barkley, even though it's a running back, is there an argument that you sign him because he's the embodiment of this organization at their very best? The class, the work ethic, the productivity, he is the classic giant for, a, for an organization that's been trying to find itself for nine years. Yeah, I think that it would be hard not to um, because he does belong there. When you, when you think of the New York Giants, you think of Saquon He's Barkley. the kind of guy. You know, An under the radar star who's all about team. Right. You you think of him, and that's why I can hope. I hope he does get paid, but I can also see him playing under the tag because just the type of person he is. He's the ultimate competitor. You know, and for him to, I know he has new management. For him to sit out this year and wait till he gets something, I don't see him doing that. But yeah, they. I feel like New York does have to get something done. Especially they they took care of the quarterback. They took care of the, you know the defense, and so yeah. I think it's this trying to figure something out. And I think it will get done. By the way, I don't want you to think when you come on this show, I'm just taking shots at your guy Aaron Rodgers. I don't want that to be our relationship. Uh, it's not, I do think he's great. It's not. I just didn't want to talk about him yet. Okay. 
Because I, I do think I always get marginalized as a hater. I think they're going to win nine games and just miss the playoffs, but he's going to make them significantly better. Nine to ten wins. That's fair. Nine to ten wins and that and that's like postseason worthy, you think? Yeah, I you think they're gonna be I think they're gonna it's gonna be on the good side of the what's ten the, or nine What's the season? last game of the year for the Jets? So they play like a Miami or a Buffalo. The way the league structures it now, they want the last two weeks to count, so you play your right. divisional rivals. So you play, play you play your players. So who's gonna who is going to what's the Jets' last game of the year? Uh it is in New England. Okay. January 7th. I think they so I look at the Jets schedule. I think they're gonna go to New England with the playoffs on the line. That's what I think. That's I think they're going to stumble some early, pick up a lot of wins in week 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. They're going to go on a nice <laughs> that, winning streak. That is a schedule. No, how about the early one? That's what I'm saying, the early one. That's a lot. of Jalen Hurts and Russell Wilson and Patrick Mahomes and Dak. They're going to need Dak. that week seven bye. I'm, I'm trying to tell you. It's rough. <laughs> that's great, though, but that's, but that's what he wants, though. He wants that. And that's that's what's going to be exciting. He, exactly, he gets Josh Allen. He gets Mahomes. Okay, let me just count the wins right now. Right, I'm, I'm going to go. So I think. So I said Buffalo is a brutal opener. They come off an embarrassing playoff loss. They're pissed, and they're also bringing back a, a team, same coordinators, same team. That's a hard win for the Jets. This the, listen, but the Jets are going to be excited, healthy. Buffalo, right now, emotionally, we have no idea what's going on over there. So you like the Jets to beat Buffalo? I think it's very doable. Yeah, dude. <laughs> I, I think that's a tough opener. Number two is going to be tough. Cowboys are going to win that one, I'm just saying right now. <laughs> Arizona's played great against Dallas. That's Ed. Will is currently employed by the Dallas Cowboys. <laughs> well, what's fu- At Dallas, you that's don't a tough think, one. You don't think week one matters, but if you look at the if you look at games that are tough in Who a row, said it doesn't matter? Well, I know, but I, you don't say You it. mean in general? Well, lately, the NFL's been putting some, some dope games in the beginning. But I'm saying if you face in a row Mahomes at Denver and Philly, okay, you're not going 3-0 there. You should split with Dallas and New England. The Buffalo game becomes the difference between four and two and three and three and a really bad start. That Buffalo game is why are you rolling your eyes? It's a gigantic game. That's a big game. But that again, is, I don't know where Buffalo is again emotionally when when it's time to go. Something happened in that building where everyone is kind of being weird about whatever's going on. That's weird. And then in week two early, Micah Parsons is known for ruining games. So to, for him to go to Dallas and see Micah in that defense, that's going to be a big problem. New England, don't know. But, yeah, Kansas City, that's a beast. That, and then, that is the toughest six-game stretch to start the season. So you either have great quarterback, Josh Allen, Mahomes, Jalen Hurts, or great coach. Right. Sean Payton, Bill Belichick. You got, some, you got count- all pros, Hall of Famers, and MVPs in the first six games. <laughs> like, it's rough. <laughs> that is, that's legit. All right. Everything good for you? I'm golden. I'm 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 excited. Uh had a had a really cool week and then I um yeah, I go to training camp next week. Let's go. For the Cowboys. For the Cowboys, yeah. Give me Can you give us a little insight cuz you're tied into the organization now. Cuz you played for McCarthy. I played for McCarthy. What is going to be better with the Cowboys than a guy like me, old Mr. Cynical guy? What part of the Cowboys has impressed you more than you thought? What part has impressed me more than I thought? We all know they're best players. Right. 
you know, I just, I don't know, because everything I felt like that I've seen the outside that I, I expected, I kind of, you know me, I'm always like really detailed and cerebral yeah. in terms of that. I think I was confirmed with how gifted CD Lamb is. Okay. Yeah, I think to to see him operate in person, he he's very you know that acrobatic OBJ type yes. of deal, type yeah. of deal. Yeah, and he's and he's I think he definitely got stronger. And then um, yeah, and Brandon Cooks, he's you know Dak said at a at a camp for kids this weekend. He goes, I I will not have ten interceptions this year. Love it. He doesn't, then they're gonna go super far. Well, you know, Mike McCarthy tends to. He, well, I'm not going to get into McCarthy. You have a relationship with him. Tends to what? I'm going to defend. Okay, I'll ask you. <laughs> I'll ask you. Mike McCarthy tends to fill in the blank. I can't fill in the blank. Okay. Mm. He tends to have a winning record as a head coach. Okay, that's appropriate. That's the truth. Yeah, mostly. It is. It is. Why does it mean mostly? No, I, I think he is more than capable some of his He's clock a Super management. Bowl winning head coach. That's yeah. that's the only thing I can say. Clock management, nothing else. Well, that's you know the the game is played with a clock. It so is played with a clock, crucial. but that's the only thing. Yeah, you know, that's fair. I'm not trying to corner you here. I just no, I, I'm never cornered. Now, on the by show. the way, Mike McCarthy is calling plays this year. I've been told. Can you can you validate that? I don't know because you do. There's a coordinator there, a veteran coordinator. Conservative veteran coordinator. But he's still a veteran coordinator. Worry a little bit about that conservative stuff. Should right. I be worried about that? Listen, run the ball, play defense. Oh, good to see the 80s called. They want their uh, ideology back. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> it's Freddie Prinze Jr. and Jeff Dye back in the ring. Wrestling with Freddie makes its triumphant return for an electrifying fourth season. Hey, Jeff, are you ready to rumble our way into an all-new season of Wrestling with Freddy? You better believe I have. I've been practicing my body slams, and I'm jacked. All right, don't go injuring yourself now. We'll be highlighting the best stories and matches of the week in wrestling from AEW, WWE, and have one-on-one -on -one talks with the best talents in the world of pro wrestling. Listen to Wrestling with Freddy on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Cultura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm Minnie Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Seven questions, 
limitless answers.